Okay, so today we are going to hear my list of the things that just get me. Here we go. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. I'm going to be launching a digital course, How to Accessorize and Style Your Home in a New York Minute. That's right, I'm bringing it to you because over the last several years, it has been one of the top requested things that I get asked. And it just so happens, it's what I'm really passionate about and what I've always loved to do. I always felt like your home wasn't fully dressed until I brought in that last layer and I loved doing it. And I love styling for my photo shoots. And most of the time I bring in all the accessories and get everything styled for a photo shoot. Guess what? The client wants to keep it all. Well, I'm going to show you my secrets, my tips, my tricks. It's going to be in a really simple video course broken up into modules that are going to be easy for you to get resources, solutions, and really quick wins at an affordable price, all with direction from me. So you can have your home looking like those sitting in a magazine or how I set them up for photo shoots really easily. I'm super excited. So you're going to want to get on the wait list because if you're on the wait list, you're going to be the first to know, you're going to be in the know, and you are going to be one of the ones to get the special introductory offer on the course. So to join, you can go to jillcalmaninteriors.com slash course dash waitlist. Or if you go to my Instagram profile at jillcalmaninteriors, you can get the link in bio directly there and sign up for the waitlist. There's no cost, no nothing right now. It's just to get you on the waitlist so you are privy to all the information and the special deals. I really hope to see you there. I'm so excited to bring this to you. Thank you so much. All right. So today I am here solo. We have had so many guests on and we do continue to have so many guests scheduled. And I really love bringing other people on to hear their points of view and specialties um, that they know about. But the podcast was also designed to hear my voice too. So I get to kind of hop in every so often and do a solo episode. So today it is just me. You're getting all of me. And today it's about the things that, quote, get me, whether it be not necessarily that bug me, maybe things that are passionate about or things that I really want to help you with and help you overcome. There's lots of things I notice after working with clients for so many years. So I want to discuss some of those things today regarding design. So Let's start with, you know, one thing that's quite prevalent is that you'll buy a new home in the suburbs and, you know, just a home purchase and moving in and of itself is just a life stressor. There's no question about it. Getting kids settled into a new school, you yourself settling into a new community, it's a lot. And then you couple that with typically moving from a city setting to a suburb to having, you know, double or more the amount of square footage to furnish and really not thinking too much about that until after you've moved in. And the problem with that is that 
what happens is so many rooms go empty for too long. I've seen it over and over and over and over again. And it's a little pet peeve of mine, I'm not going to lie, because I feel like for a couple reasons that, you know, you have this new beautiful home and why should half of it be empty? That's not serving you. And, you know, this was prior to COVID. You have to remember that, I mean, look, it took a pandemic for people to realize how important their home is, which in some ways I think is good, but in other ways I think is sad because prior to COVID, I always had a philosophy that even when we were working and traveling and we weren't home as much, frankly, right? Whether we're traveling for work, traveling for vacation, going to work long hours. To me, home was equally as critical then as it is now. And the reason was it was a different kind of stress of life. It was that constant motion and that constant busyness of life. And for me, walking through the doors of your house, that was kind of the place you could sort of drop everything and let it all fall down. And it needed to be the respite for those times that you were home. So I found it very integral and critical then Clearly, it's become almost what I'll call a trend right now because we've been home so much. And I think it's good. It's it's shined a light upon the fact that it is important to furnish these rooms. But, you know, we're easing back into a semi-normal. And I don't want people to forget because when it starts to get busier again or you're able to travel or you are going back to your office, home's going to feel important. So, Anyway, the pet peeve number one is sort of, if you want to call it a pet peeve, but the thing that kind of gets me is leaving rooms empty for too long. And the reason that happens is they were not made a priority. Like I said, they typically, the home furnishings plan was forgotten about till after you moved in because there's so much happening with the move, with getting the house. It's a lot of money alone just for the house getting signed up for preschool, getting everything done. And then you're like, whoops, we didn't leave any money aside for new furniture. And by the way, we don't even know what it costs. So that's what I'm here to help to do. And I'm here to encourage you that when you leave all those rooms empty and it can go for years and years, I helped clients who, you know, moved into a house, you know, they'll say four years ago and they still have half the house empty. So we're going to get into in a few minutes why some other reasons that happens. But the big reason is that You've got a lot going on initially, but you didn't plan. And it's got to, got to, got to be part of the plan of the home purchase because owning a home entails furnishing a home because to me, it's not really a home if it's empty. So that's number one. Okay. Number two, are you ready? Fasten your seatbelts. Look, I like social media a lot. Facebook is a wonderful source for design too. Everything needs balance in this world, right? So crowdsourcing on Facebook for your interior design. I want to put up like a little da- like a little warning on that, like a little blinking caution light when you do that. That's probably a good way to say it, a little caution. I think that there are some great benefits to that, and I think there are good referrals you can get there, and I think in some cases it can help. But what I want you to think about is as you're becoming aware or maybe fully aware now, most anything you do to your home costs a substantial amount of money or certainly can. So if you're painting a room or more and you're crowdsourcing on Facebook what color to use, listen, the painter could put it up, it doesn't look good, and then what? The other problem with it is you crowdsource it on Facebook and you say what color, you were already overwhelmed and that's why you posted the question, you were already looking at 20 colors or more and now you've got 20 different answers. I've seen that happen too, so how has that really helped you? So it's really important to, I think, use it as a tool, 
I, again, I'm not against it and I think some good things can come of it, but you really have to balance it with, you know, some common sense things, maybe advice from a professional, maybe not, but at least with a paint color, okay, well, did it help me narrow it down? If it is, then sample it. You have to properly sample paint. Don't let a painter rush you into getting the color because they could put the color up and something that looks great in my house could look horrible in your house. And so I just caution you on Facebook crowdsourcing for expensive investments in your home. I think that, again, if you do it, you just proceed with caution. So really kind of vet out all the sources that were given to you, really determine if all those answers helped you or overwhelmed you more. And I just use some balance with it. Like I said, I think there's good things. I think you can gain from it. But I also think it can be a little bit detrimental. And what it does, it avoids, you know, you, again, coming up with a good plan, maybe using a professional to give you some professional guidance in whatever form that may be, thinking that you're going to save money, but you really end up spending more money when you make a mistake. So I just want to really point that out to use caution with that. The next thing really kind of ties a bit into that, and it's spending good money, you know, after bad. So sometimes what will happen is you'll move into a house and there could be something you don't like. It could be all the trim color. Let's say the whole trim color for the house. And, and that could be really expensive to paint the entire house all new trim. Having said that, when you go to repaint every room and that trim is still there and that trim is making any wall color you put up look bad, now you've invested in all these paint colors and painting these rooms. And because you thought you'd save money on not painting the trim, it still looks bad and it's always going to look bad. So there's some things that, you know, might not be to our exact liking that we can live with for a while or that we can adapt. And sometimes we can successfully adapt, I'll call it. But other times, it's going to always be that roadblock. It's going to always be that eyesore. It's going to always bug you. So before you go and try to do a quick fix on something, whether it be paint, a renovation, a new piece of furniture, whatever it is, before you do that quick fix, really think it out and really think, am I better off just waiting till I have the correct amount of money to do it properly? Or, you know, so, because again, you don't want to just throw good money after bad. So if something existed that was there or something you did years ago you're not liking anymore and you want to try to sort of cover it up or conceal it or make do, sometimes that works for a very temporary amount of time. But that thing that's ugly to you is always going to come back and kind of hit you in the face every time you walk in the room. So I really want to point that out and I really want you to be sensible about your money and how it's spent. And sometimes it's better to hold off on spending anything then until you can do it right. So again, I mean, sometimes if it's a situation where to get a quick cosmetic fix, the monetary investment for the time you're going to use it makes sense, that's cool. I've done that in my house too. Just be careful with that. And again, sort of I'll say that proceed with caution that long term you may need to bite the bullet and get something completely adjusted. So that's kind of my stance on that. And that really goes into, you know, forcing things that you want to work and just don't. And it could be anything from an area rug to a piece of art, anything. We had a piece of art that I loved. It was a vintage Cappiello poster from our old house. I loved it. I still love Cappiello prints. And it was really large. And we moved into this house and there were a couple walls that would fit on. So fitting it on a wall wasn't an issue. Something about it 
just didn't work in this house. And I left it leaning against one of the bigger walls for a while. And I'd walk by it every day. And there was just never a time it looked right. And yet I really liked owning it. I liked having it. But it didn't make me feel good in this house anymore. It didn't show off in the same way. And so finally, months later, one day I was like, you know what? I think that if it's just not right for this house, it needs to go. There just wasn't a spot for it. And I let it go. And I'm not regretful about it at all. I took the money from that and replaced it with other pieces of artwork that work beautifully in this house that I enjoy. So I would like that to be one of the things that I impart with you as well is that, you know, give it some time, see if something can work. But if ultimately it really can't, just release it. Maybe you release it to a family member. Maybe you sell it. Maybe it's something that gets donated. But at a certain point, don't fight it anymore. There's no need to fight anything in your house. Just have things that work well. You know, so that's another little tip that I want to give. All right, here's the big thing. So trust yourself, have confidence. I think that a lot of the overwhelm comes from feeling like whatever you're thinking you want in your house is wrong or bad or against some sort of rule book in design that doesn't actually exist. So I want you to trust yourself. And one way to do that is when you see things you like, Trust that feeling because what you like will lead you to a home you like. So if there's a sofa that you see and you love it, you love how it feels, you love how it looks, chances are if you buy it, you're going to love it. If you've taken the really the right amount of time to sit in it, like it, you really love how it looks, whatever. It could be a rug. It could be a little accessory for your coffee table. Some of the smaller things in my house make me happy. So it's really important to trust it. it That leads into a little bit, there's a lot of clients I run into and I'm starting to work with them and I'll say, well, what kind of things do you like or do you have an inspiration photo of something you like? And like, I really don't. I don't know what I like. That's actually not true. You'd really do know what you like. And you can start with by saying, well, what don't I like? What colors don't I like? What doesn't make me feel good? That leads you sometimes to what you like. And truly though, deep down, you do like things. There are things that you see that you are attracted to that appeal to you. You might be in somebody else's home. You might see something on Pinterest. You might see something on social media. And I'm sure that you have seen things that you like. So when someone says, ah, I don't know what I like, they do. It just takes some more questioning. But if you had confidence in what you like and not being judged for it, Sometimes maybe in my industry, people feel like as a designer, we'll judge them for what they like. I don't. I really want to hear what you like. And then I will help adapt that into something that, you know, works for you that becomes a whole coordinated palette or room or whatever goal we're seeking. But I want to hear what you like. I want to hear what you don't like. There's no wrong answer here. Please, please, please know that there's never a wrong answer with this. So what you like is what you like. And what you like is what you should live with. And when you live with what you like, guess what happens? You have a home that you really, really love. So I want you all to trust yourselves. And I do still understand the dilemma that, you know, you may like this and like that, and you might like a lot of different things. And so you just don't know how to put them together. That's different. And that's okay. And that's maybe where you have a professional come in and help you and say, okay, here's how this could all coordinate. Here's how we could make that work. But you do know what you like, trust what you like, have confidence in yourself when it comes to your home. Looking for a space-saving idea for an extra bed in your home or a multi-purpose room? Well, you're going to want to consider the Lori Wall Bed. 
It is a Murphy bed that is a bed when it's down and it's a shelf when it's up. You also can assemble it all on your own. It is made from 100% real wood. It comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a lifetime warranty. It comes in various finishes like white, walnut, clear coat, and unfinished. On the unfinished, you can make it whatever you want, any paint color, any stain. There's free shipping throughout the U.S. It is delivered in three to seven business days. Well, that's unheard of right now. Nothing's coming in three to seven days. It comes with print and video assembly instructions, and prices start at $799. You can order one today at LoriWallBeds.com or click in the show notes for the link. Lori Wallbed is the perfect solution to needing a bed anywhere at any time. All right, now let's look at the next thing. There seems to be a perception that there are these really hard and fast rules in design. Now, I am not telling you that there aren't any design principles. I am here to tell you that when I was in design school, there are plenty of things I learned and I know about scale and space planning and all of that. But there are not necessarily strict rules as far as, you know, you need to be creative. So I mean, yes. Do you need a certain height chair to sit at a certain table? Yes. And should a rug be a certain proportion to the room? Yes. And, you know, I can throw that in as another pet peeve. Most people buy a rug that's way too small. Just want to let you know. And then it makes the room shrink and kind of focus in. So always go bigger just to throw that in. But basically, there's no strict rules. So For example, I did a podcast recently about when you buy a new home, you know, oftentimes there's, let's say, quote, a living room. And living rooms over the years have become a little bit obsolete. It was sort of the room many years ago that was formal, was only used a couple times a year. Dining rooms were in this category too. And now it's okay to rethink the living room. It's okay to call it something else. It's okay for it to be something else. Or it's okay for it to be a casual living room. Or maybe the TV goes in the living room. So as far as rules like that, I just think people feel bound by so many rules. So there are fundamentals when it comes to, you know, scale, proportion, you know, color theory, other things. But it doesn't mean that you have to live by this strict set of rules and what someone does in their house, you do in your house. So Having said that, it's because we're all different, our lifestyles are different, and your home should reflect that. It's like a fingerprint, right? So that's kind of my point about that. Like, not everything has to be the same. Not everything has to follow the exact same rule. The formal living room might work for one family, but for another family, that needs to become a second family room or even an office in a lot of cases, and that's happening now a lot. So same thing, a guest bedroom may not be a guest bedroom. Maybe it's going to be an office. Maybe it's going to be a multi-purpose room. Maybe it's going to be a meditation room. So know that, again, you're not bound by so many strict things. Really, again, go back to trusting yourself of how you want to use a space and how you want to feel about a space. Okay, the next one has to do with the primary bedroom of the house, right? That nice suite. Usually, it's usually a primary suite with a adjacent ensuite bathroom. And so many times I hear couples say, eh, we'll get to that whenever because nobody sees it. Let's just get the first floor done because that's what everybody sees. Well, if COVID has taught us anything, everybody sees every room, everyone that's living in the house. But even before COVID, I would shake my head. And it wasn't just because I wanted to decorate that particular room for a person. It didn't matter. 
what I wanted them to understand was the most important people of the house see that room. That's you. Okay. And that's the family. And that is the respite at the end of the day. That's the room that probably has to feel the best after we've had a lot of stress going on, running around going on, physically tired, mentally tired. That's got to be the place where you fall and feel great. And I did a whole podcast episode about this, but I'm throwing it in here again because it still happens. And I still hear that very same sentence. Well, nobody really sees that. We can do that later. And then guess what? It never gets done. And that doesn't serve you. So when that bedroom is furnished and you feel really good in there and you have the proper lighting near your bed and the sheets feel good and the carpet's fresh and it's got window treatments and it's got maybe a nice bench at the end of the bed or a chair or a sitting area, let me tell you, that makes a very big difference in how you end the day and then how you begin the next day. So don't let the primary bedroom go neglected because you're neglecting yourself when you do that. And I don't care that guests don't see it when they come in. Who cares? You see it every single day and you are in there for many hours every day. And it's also a place to connect. So do not neglect it. I also notice that people don't necessarily realize there's a cost to home ownership. So yes, they understand that there is a cost to buying the house, potentially even like cutting the lawn, doing some basic things. But as you live in a house over time, you have to do things for maintenance yearly, you know, whether it be from cleaning the chimney to cleaning the gutters to landscaping, making sure that plumbing is up to date making sure that things that are outdated do get updated, electrical, lighting, so many things. And the other cost to home ownership is actually furnishing your home, which goes back to the first one. But it is, it's part of owning a home. So I like people to start to think now about, you know, there's always this kind of, listen, there was a rush because of COVID. I get that. But even before that, there was sort of a rush to just get the house, right? And you'll get the house and you'll figure it all out later. Well, that doesn't really serve you very well. So like having a plan that I mentioned in the beginning for furnishing, you've got to have a plan in place for this too and realize that what you're embarking on is becoming a homeowner. And homeowner means not just that initial purchase, getting everything in and painted once. Guess what? The paint gets gross after a certain amount of time. You're going to have to repaint. You're going to have to maybe replace a faucet. You're going to have to replace a toilet. And we have a tendency to get kind of worked up when these things happen. And listen, things, unexpected expenses can come along um, and nobody wants to have that happen. But if you sort of go in it with the mindset that I am now a homeowner and I need to take care and even maintain, maintenance is really the key to not having an unexpected expense. So, you know, make sure you clean your oil burner every year. If you have a septic, you want to pump that every year to every two years, depending on the home. The more you do, it's like getting checkup at the doctor, right? The more preventative care you do, then there won't be like a big unnecessary potential emergency. So keep your home updated, whether it means painting, replacing old pipes, updating some electrical so there's not any sort of hazard or that things are working correctly. And that also includes furnishing your home. So just a word on that. Okay, what I'm going to close with is I think home design in general for people is very stressful. I think it feels intimidating. I think it feels unattainable to a certain point. 
I think it creates a lot of confusion. There's a lot of fear of making a mistake. So whether you embark with a professional or you're doing it on your own, it should be an enjoyable, fun experience when you're at the point where you're picking out some of the soft surroundings, like your carpeting, like your upholstery, your coffee table, getting your accessories out and in order, having fresh paint color, picking a fun wallpaper, making a room unique by putting something fun on the ceiling, buying a great light fixture that you like that kind of makes the room, right? It's like putting on a great piece of jewelry. People don't have as much fun with it as I think they should. And that really comes from all the stuff we just talked about, about feeling like there's rules, feeling intimidated, feeling it costs too much money, feeling like they don't want to hire somebody, but they need to hire somebody, all of that kind of wrapped up in a ball. And so I want to kind of release you of that as well and just say that you can have fun with this. You just have to have a plan and whatever your plan is, is unique to you. Your plan could be like having a certain amount of boards on Pinterest to categorize some of the things you need to get done and having some sources. And just be careful with that so you don't go down the black hole. But if you're somebody who you think you can organize it and not get too caught up in kind of going down that rabbit hole of too many things to choose from, that's a good way to start. And if it is hiring a professional, I did a whole episode on how to hire the professional that's right for you. Everybody's services are really varied, and that's a good thing because everybody wants to work differently. So find somebody in your area that has a service that fits with your comfort level. It could be complete full service where everything is done for you. It could be another type of service. It could be a digital service. There's all kinds of things available from all kinds of very talented and skilled people that are in your area. So the big thing is, is find a way to make it enjoyable. Once you've committed to having a plan and having a certain budget, decide, okay, I'm going to really have fun with this on my own. I'm going to like source the internet. I'm going to do some shopping. And, And maybe that's a creative thing that you like and it's fun. Maybe it is hiring a professional, but it's one that you want more of a collaborative relationship with where you're doing a lot of the selecting. Maybe it's you're so busy and you really don't know what to do and you need the type of service where someone's going to take the reins but understand what your end goal is and get you there to achieve it. So there's all kinds of paths to do this, but just decide what your path is and decide, make your mind up that, you know what, this is going to be fun. This is my house, right? This is my budget. This is my home. And whoever you bring in on your team, if anybody at all, that's what they're going to be. They're going to be part of a team and it's team you. It's your team to get your house and you will get more joy out of it in the end, I believe, if you have had some fun along the way, it's been creative along the way for you, even if it's a service where you delegated most of it out you at least communicated your goal and your input for it and then it happened for you and working with that person no matter on what level was enjoyable. So that is all of my list for today and I decided to do a podcast on it because so many of these different issues cropped up all the time. Some of them cropped up again recently and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to compile and do a whole episode on all of them. So That is my list, and I would love to hear from you if you want to add ones to your list, things that are bothering you, things that you find obstacles to design your home, things that bug you about designers or about the design process and how I can help. Anything like that would be great. I'm also going to close the show with, I've been trying to use like some questions that I get on social media and then highlight them on the show so it might help other people get answers. So a question that came up recently was, how do you use gray paint in a house and not make it look, quote, too office 
So that's a good question also because people are starting to feel like gray was overused and we need to start going into other colors. So I still think gray and certain tones of gray are a really nice neutral backdrop because a lot of grays work well with a lot of other accent colors. And that's nice. So let's say the walls are a soft gray. You can bring in rich navy blues, plums, pink, greens, almost anything. So I look at gray as like, If you had a canvas and you painted it soft gray and then you decided you wanted to paint a field of flowers that were bright colored or you wanted to paint a subdued kind of monotone seascape, you know, the gray works. So I consider it like a backdrop. I think the way to make it work is to not use everything gray in the room. That's where it gets office and that's where it gets overplayed where we say we have to use another color. So if you paint soft gray walls, but then you put a gray rug, a wash gray wood coffee table, a gray sectional, and like a gray toned wood console, it's too drab. So you have to use, again, the gray is kind of your backdrop. I have... Most of my first floor is painted in two different light tone grays, but when you walk into those rooms, you don't necessarily say I'm in a gray room. And the reason is I have a lot of other textures and contrasting colors going on. Even some are earthy, they're not bright colors, going on around it. So that's really the key. That is my answer to not how to overuse gray and not making gray look too commercial or office I actually think it's a wonderful, wonderful color. It's warm and shows so many other colors around it. So if you have any design questions like that, shoot me a DM on social media, reach out through email, whatever. I'd love to answer one or more on the end of each episode to help everybody. I hope you enjoyed today. And from my home to yours, I will see you here next week. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I really love doing it. And if you're enjoying it as much as I am, please head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review. I would love to hear from you. And I would love the support on the podcast. I happen to have on my website, if you go to jillcalmaninteriors.com, some great freebies for you. So I have your mini moving guide, and this is all the things you might not think about, some little quick tips to get you settled and on your way to moving to the suburbs. I have a home planner, which is an amazing thing to help you plan out design because interior design sometimes falls at the bottom of the list once you've moved in and then you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed because you haven't planned for it. So the planner helps you do just that. It's in a really easy, simplistic form. It's free to download and it'll help you reach your design goals. I also have a moving organizer. And before you move, you're going to want to get this. This has all the checklists and all the pages you are going to need to Go through your home search, find the right home, get settled and get through all those details. And that's available on my website for $29. So head on over. There's lots of freebies and lots of things for you there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.